This is episode number 15 on the Follow Your Flow podcast. Did you know that a 2017 survey found that one in seven girls and young women in the UK didn't know what was happening when they got their first period? One in four stated that they felt unprepared for the beginning of menstruation. This episode is brought to you by the CycleWise Parents Online course, now officially open for enrollments two times each year. This is the most comprehensive course available, supporting parents to support their children on all things periods and puberty. This is not about giving you a script, but rather arming you with the wonder and magic of how the female body works and dispelling the myths and misconceptions about periods to give you the confidence to have meaningful and empowering conversations about periods, puberty and beyond with your children. You can check that out now over on the Follow Your Flow website and go to the Cycle Wise Parents tab. Navigating the time of puberty can be a challenging time for many, including parents. How do we do this and what do we need to be aware of to support ourselves if we are currently traversing this time or if we're adults supporting young people as they find their way in the world? I know for myself, I really struggled during these formative years and battled with the intensity of all that was going on around me and within me. And this is not uncommon. In fact, I think we tend to assume that this is a kind of initiation process that all teenagers will go through. But does it really have to be like this? In this interview, I talk with Annette and Gabe, renowned relationship counsellors from Sydney, Australia, about what support we really need as we grow up in today's world. As always, they share very intimately about their own experiences, as well as their incredible wealth of professional and life experience on this topic and on what it is to be a woman. It's a fantastic episode that if you have young people in your life, you just simply do not want to miss. Or if you are a young person yourself, you do not want to miss. As always, please remember this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you need to make any changes or would like to make any changes to your healthcare plan, please make sure that you check in with your medical professional. So join me now for a stunning conversation with the magnificent Annette and Gabe. You're listening to Follow Your Flow. Your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation, and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner, and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. My guests on today's show have been working as relationship counsellors for many years. They are a couple, have been together close to 20 years, and their work is founded on supporting others to access the truth of their expression and to discover true love for themselves, what this means and what this looks like. They both love what they do and being able to observe and witness these changes that people make in their lives and the confidence that then comes with that. Annette and Gabe, I am super excited to have you on the show. A very warm welcome to you both. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having us. Hey, Sarah. Thank you. It's amazing to have you here. Now, I know you both and I know that you are both extraordinary women, extraordinary practitioners. To be able to do what you do is yeah, you have to actually live what you speak. It's not something that you can necessarily learn from a book. You know, you ladies actually live what you talk. And when you talk about love, for example, it's not just a word that gets thrown around. You actually embody every bit of the wisdom that you impart. So tell us a little bit about that, how you work and why that is important to you. 
Well, Sarah, just as as we opened this webcast or podcast and you saw our living room and you saw how we're living, that we have a one-bedroom apartment, basically we're able to live uh, that quality of loving in, in the way that we do with people because everyone we embrace that comes into the home is enveloped in that quality of love. So basically everyone we meet gets to feel the intimacy of how we live and we share everything that we are together, that we've built together, that is foundational with us together, with every person that walks through the door. And that is, I don't know, I, I, can't, I can't say for sure if you asked me when I was younger how that would have happened, meeting someone like Annette, and we're so equal in so many ways in, in the way that we express love together, the way that we express intimacy, the way that we were brought up in our families. It was like it was the perfect conditions, so to speak, to um, bring that out of us and for then us when we established our relationship or founded our relationship to actually share that with other people. We worked for 32 years in hospitality, 32 and 33 respectively, mm-hmm. ending up working together and that's how we met one another. But one of the things that I was struck by with Annette when I first was working with her and seeing her move and, and be with people was how caring she was, how super kind and, you know, expressive to all different sorts of people, not just Um, contemporaries people of her same age bracket and she was the manager of the restaurant that I was working in and I looked at those qualities and I felt like that's that's how I feel about being with people so it was a no-brainer that we're actually when we came together that there was so much that we had in common in terms of our values and um, you know our qualities that we already had. So then after the initial stages of us being together, it was also a no-brainer to begin to share that out with other people and our home to become really a melting pot of that. So whenever anyone comes in the door, it's it's true hospitality. Mm. And, you know, they often, if... If I'm working with a client, Nets cooking in the kitchen, so they get to come into the kitchen and talk to her or, you know, everything that's in our bathroom is everything on display of how we live, you know. So everyone gets everyone gets everything that we are and we have no issue whatsoever in our bodies of sharing that openly. There's no protection in us to say, oh, you know, you can't enter this part of our life. You know, um, everyone gets to actually be involved in that or be included in that, lovingly so. So, yes, we really walk that and it's normal for us. We were raised like that and it's absolutely normal for us to be that way. That's super, super inspiring, you know, just... We could end the podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, but we are going to we are going to talk about navigating puberty. <laughs> yeah, look, Gabe's expressed all of that so beautifully. So there's not really much to add, other than to say that, just to highlight the point that in our relationship, because of those qualities and values that have always been important to us, and then you know, confirming arriving at a point in our lives of confirming the importance of of bringing that expression into life in a in a in a very committed way brought us to establishing and confirming the fact that our relationship was is not just for us in fact it's not for us and so that's what allows us to to do what we do and live how we live because we feel the we feel and and love the immense responsibility of of bringing true expression and, and, and the representation of true love into this world because it's, it's very needed.
It certainly is. It certainly is very needed. And, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, that obviously is the the absolute essence of both of you and you've been developing and nurturing that or coming back to that, I would say, potentially over the years and that's continually deepening. But what about growing up? Like what about moving through puberty? You know, even though that was there, how how was that for you? You know, personally, if you don't mind talking about that, because that's what this this podcast is about. Um, but I'd love to hear from both of you because I know that you know we all have that. What you're talking about, you know, it's it's very very beautiful, very inspiring, and something that we can all really learn from. Just listening to what you're saying. But what what was it like as you were growing up? To start off with, I'd like to make something clear, you know, when I previously said that we were raised that way. We were raised in ethnic homes that were very loving in the way that they expressed very close, very family orientated. But it was later in life as we studied and understood more so the responsibility of living love from uh, ancient teachings, the ageless teachings, that actually brought forth the true expression of that love, something that we'd always felt was possible. So I just want to claim that because that's very important because in our family environments, coming back to the question you asked, Sarah, which is super important, um, there was a lot of affection and a lot of expression of, as I said, that closeness of love. But for me as a teenager, and I feel like most people, a lot of people are like this because we counsel a lot of teenagers or we have, um, we have uh, lots of connection with lots of teenagers and we see them, we, we actually see them that when you get to that age, it is super isolating because there's a lot of things that are going on inside of you that you're actually feeling that you don't want to let go of in terms of your connection to yourself. So you're feeling a lot of inner inner thoughts about how you feel about life and people and everything like that, but at the same time you're being dragged away by everything in the world that wants to basically pull you this way and that way, influence you this way and that way. Now that's based on your peers, but it's based on the images in particular, and this is what happened to me, the images coming in from advertising, from um, social. We didn't have social media when I was in my puberty um <laughs> giving away your age <laughs> yeah i'm 57 so um there wasn't social media around but there are a lot of glossy american magazines and you know we used to have time magazine come to our home and after that vanity fair and so i used to see all of these images and you know vogue in australian vogue and things like that so you sort of you're being shifted and shaped by all of these images, even if you don't know it. And then pop pop culture, you know, music culture, music videos and things like that. So you've got the pull of all of that, which is very, very strong on you at the same time because those images are very pervasive into you. And I found that so, especially as a visual person. So I found that very difficult because I could feel the pull of that, but at the same time, the strong pull in the family of tradition. My family was very disciplined, very Catholic, religious, you know, so you can imagine there's a strong melting pot there of everything being contained in a particular way. And then the, me inside, the teenager, just going, how am I going to handle all of this? Yeah, gosh, I think, I mean, I can certainly relate to what you're saying because I think we all can, you know, physically 
on a physical level, there's so much that's happening at puberty. You know, there's all the hormonal changes that that happen, uh, and that that can be depending on you know the environment. I mean, our hormones are responsive to the environment around us. So depending on the stresses in the environment that's happening around us, those stresses, as well as our hormones trying to make their way, you know, trying to develop and they're trying to make their way in the world, in your body. And, and then you're trying to, to make your way in the world. Like it's, it's a really challenging time anyway. But then when you put the, I guess, the intensity of, you know, what, what we're, young people and what we're all bombarded with today i think it's it's um like this mega intensification that's happening yeah totally yeah i was just feeling with um as you say there's there's so many factors and if i if i feel back to my you know crossing over into into what is it adolescence first is it and then teenage years you know it I mean, typically the word is used that it's confusing or there's it's it's turmoil or whatever. But I just remember feeling more so. Okay, yes, there were the the body changes. You know, the change in the body. You know, starting to have breasts, or, or then you know when you get your period, and but then there's also on top of that, there's whatever else is going on in your life. You know, say for example, for me, at around that whole period of time, my parents were were um, really initiating the fact that they were going to separate and everything that entailed with that, and then changing homes and changing schools and all of that sort of thing. So, on top of whatever's going on for us throughout our, our years of puberty, it's also very important to consider what else is going on in life, and it's difficult to 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 you know I remember going from being a very confident child Mm -hmm. to then in that period of time feeling not like I was completely lacking confidence but there was certainly a drop in my confidence if I could put it like that and I feel having it's it's so important at that time for anybody at that age whether it was back then or now and particularly now I guess with the with the um influence of so much of you know that the impact of social media it's very important to have people in your life you know perhaps older people or or what we might call elders in some respect that you that you can that you have solid relationships with I know at that time I was I had a very I had and still have a very close relationship with my mum and she was through through that time pretty much my best friend but then I also, around 15, another another woman came into my life who was in her early 30s and became a very close friend of mine, someone I could really talk to and was a, a confidant for me. So I think it's it's super important, you know, I mean, you can't force that to happen, but if there are people in our lives as, as young girls and young women or young adult women if if there are if there are other women in your life or or other people in your life who you feel you can trust to open up with, that is is very very supportive. I love what Annette's saying because it, it also reminded me of like that transitional time, probably from eleven up till eleven. For me, I was very. Um, obviously expressive in my sensitivity and super open with that um, amongst people that I know, knew, not so much at school, a little bit shyer at school, but, you know, my family entertained a lot. They had lots of friends and they were very family conscious, as I've already said. So we sort of visited a lot of people. So in those environments, I felt very relaxed and very confident, very open, very able to express my sensitivity. But when I crossed over into puberty, it was very like I already knew that I was gay. And then the changing um, physicality in my body and then in the awareness of that and then the awareness of the fact that Um, of my sexuality even though I'd never explored it didn't know anything really much about it 
wouldn't have called myself gay at that time, but I could I still had all of those feelings. What I started to do was hold that sensitivity inside. And then I developed this duplicit kind of alter ego where I could express out in the world, which was a different kind of confidence, because I had to shut down everything that I was on this on the sensitive ledger because I couldn't. I didn't want anyone to know how I truly felt in, in terms of my sexuality. And I knew from all the markers and the kind of signals around me, particularly with the, the heaviness of the Catholic religion and the strictness of all of that and the discipline um, that was in our household, it was like I could not in any way come out so to speak, as who I really was because I knew that that would cause enormous amount of upset, which it eventually did when I did come out at 18, 19 years old. So in that first part of puberty, I was hiding so much and I started to make it normal to live like that, which was horrendous to feel later on, like when I finally came out. And I went overseas and I could actually just unburden myself of that, everything that I'd laid over, cloaked over the top of myself. That was huge. And I feel when I'm with teenagers now and I talk to them and when we're, when we're in session with young people, I can see that happening. I can see how in their eyes that they, they have this inner world which is just secret to them. And then there's part of them that they're portraying. And I did an, an, an Academy Award performance of that, and you know, like out into the world, this is what you want me to be, so I'll be this in a perfect kind of way. I will create. And I was creative in terms of imagination, exactly what you need me to be so that you are okay with me. And I found myself, and I see this in teenagers, measuring exactly how they can mould themselves to exactly what you want them to be. And I won't tell you how they really feel. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that they, they also, because I, I mean, can feel, you know, my teenage years were exactly the same exactly what you're talking about you know there was it was challenging it was awkward you know it was it was confusing you know to feel what I was feeling and that sensitivity as you say but then to feel what what was actually being wanted from from the outside world and then you know I think for me you know as as much as fitting in was you know definitely up there with what I needed to do and to to fit the mold or to fit you know into these um you know wants and needs from other people or from what was expected from society I also feel like you know there's there can be reactions to that as well so it's like well you know you want me to be that well I'm going to be this you know and and I could feel that there was a little bit of that going on and I can see that there's a lot of that going on today as well with, with young people. You know, there's reactions to how they think they are expected to be and try to be com the complete opposite or just I think what it is is we want to identify ourselves. We want to, we're looking to see who we are. We want to know who we are. So we want to make ourselves something and you coming back to what you said right at the very beginning, you know, if we don't have, and I think you mentioned it too, Annette, if we don't have that solidness of someone that's actually a, a marker for us, showing us that we can be settled in ourselves, then what else, what other choice do we have? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. There's so many, there's so many um indicators throughout our lives that 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 say to us you know you've got to be something to be someone rather than just hey 
I love you just being you. I support you just being you. But because there, there are so many things, as, as Gabe said, that pull us away or attempt, at least attempt to pull us away, then that's where there can be that, that, that tension or that, that friction of like, well, where do I position myself? How do I just be me? Because we all have, we all do have a sense of, of, of a knowing of, of who we are. But how does that get how does that get lost? Or more importantly, how do we maintain that and not get pulled this way, you know, this way, that way, every way? How do we hold on to that knowing and stay with that confidence of, hey, well, this is who I am? What would be what would be beautiful is if, you know, what was supported and encouraged was for for children and teenagers and you know, going into adult life to to be to be our own experts, be the expert of of ourselves, of who we are, what our expression is, and not be um, seduced into altering that or shape shifting that to suit others. And and that's the that's this that's the sad thing about this duplicity that Gabe's talking about and not just teenagers, but people putting on a persona of what they think they need to be for others rather than just being very true and very solid in, a, in what our true expression is, what we feel and have connected to that, that is what we're here to bring to the world. The hang-up, Sarah, is that later on in life when you're counselling people who are in their 40s and 50s, they're so entrenched in that duplicitous of hiding and protecting the sensitivity and everything that was beautifully vulnerable in a true way, their true strengths about themselves and everything that Annette's saying that we could actually be very strong in and be our own expert in, our own true, you know, wise self, that's been abandoned. And, you know, like 40, 50 years later to actually it's it's quite a job to go back and reclaim that and restore that or and you know I was talking to my mum recently um, about this she's ninety one and um, you know we were going we we just touched on lightly what it was what what happened when I first came out because they didn't handle that very well but understandably so you know my mum shared with me recently that. In her day, growing up, to be gay was illegal. You got jailed. And so for her, she was terrified when I first came out. First of all, all of those religious beliefs and everything about society and being in an ethnic family, not having children, you know, it's immediately thought, okay, well, not like we can now. We can get married as a couple. We can have children if we if we so wish to do. But back in the day when I was first coming out, that wasn't there. So everything that she and my father would have wanted for me as per society's beliefs and conditions and ideals and the consciousness of what's, what is there in society, depending on how you've been raised, that would you know, that she was, that's all she knew. And so therefore, when I came out, she was terrified for what would happen to me, you know, and around there was not really great role models of of gay relationships that actually lasted or stayed together or, you know, so you're up against all of that sort of stuff. And you know, you could, you know, intuitively, as a young person, what you're what you're up against because you can feel it it's like a tidal wave of pressure all those ideals and beliefs and there's it feels like the world says to you you will not be who you are i will not let you i will not accept you that's the energy that comes at you and so you learn to shut it down unfortunately if you don't go and do any self-reflective work or you don't, um, as Annette said, meet elders or role models or put yourself in front of people like that so that you can establish relationships that actually 
uh, bring forth that those qualities in you when you get to explore them and then reinstate yourself so that you are connected to that aspect of yourself, then you can live your whole life shut down. And that's a lie. And so many, 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 many people are living like that. And so when they then have a problem in their relationship, in their marriage, all of this sort of stuff starts to come up. Or typically when new parents start to have kids, and their kids are going through this period of time, the puberty or when they're young, all of that stuff starts to come up in them (laughs) because they're getting reflected back the same thing that they went through that they didn't heal or they didn't come to terms with or they didn't understand in themselves. And so it evokes in them jealousy or some sort of comparison or all all sorts of things, feelings of shame, feelings of longing, of loss, of missing out on, on being able to be innocent, of having their sensitivity crushed at early ages and not having the space and the freedom to be able to express that which in which they see in their young children. So it's it's quite a but it's unless, quite, unless it's quite a cycle to get out of. As you say, unless somebody has, you know, if they haven't done any, you know, personal work, let's just coin it that as a simple way to reference it, then how do they, how do they then support their teenager or adolescent mm. if they haven't reconnected to that sensitivity in themselves? What often happens then if they haven't done that is... The, the, the child will then just play out very, very similar ways of being in their life where they harden, they, they um, go into quite a lot of protection, mm. they don't disclose anything, everything's very secretive. And that just adds to the already, already uh, volcano that's happening because of all the hormones and the changes in the body. Then you've got on top of that, you've now put this external situation on yourself by being very secretive and protective. And it's, you know, I mean, it is, it's a bit of a um, a time bomb situation. At some point, all of that has to erupt and it does. Totally. That's one of the reasons why, or the reason why I run the CycleWise Parents Program is because parents, you know, need to not only understand about cycles and understanding puberty and what's actually going on for their teenagers, but also to heal or to, um, you know, understand what actually went on for them and so that they don't actually come with the imposition of their stuff around it, you know, when they're talking. So it's not laced, you know, with with their experiences or their trauma around puberty, sex, sexuality, all of those things. Um, so, yeah, I love what you're saying. It's super important. Brilliant that, that you offer that, Sarah. So what about... What about in terms of being a woman, like, you know, being a young woman, you know, specifically, so we've been talking about young people, but being a young woman, there is so many impositions, so many, I guess, stereotypes about different types of women and how you should be in the world. Can we talk a little bit about that? What are your what are your thoughts on on that and how women can or how young women can support themselves growing up? I think the first thing that comes to me is to not have not allow ourselves to be fed any pictures of what a woman should be or is because there are so many um, images that we're bombarded with of, of what a woman is and there's no one size fits all it's you know and that's why you know um, when we speak talking about being able to live in a way or having the support around you that encourages you to live knowing what your what your expression is what you're here to bring is super important so that we don't we're not so easily influenced by thinking oh I need to look like that or I need to behave like that but actually being able to stay true to yourself. Because if, if, you know, if we look around at, if you look around and really observe women who are genuinely confident in, in who they are and really very settled in their bodies and, 
at ease with with how they express, how they present in terms of, you know, how they dress and all of that. It's there is no one size fits all. It's very like say us for the three of us, for example, where you know, you're a woman who who's, you know, very claimed in yourself as a woman, as are we. But in terms of physical appearance, do we look anything alike? No, not really. In terms of, you know, you've got slightly longer hair, we've both got short hair. Um, you know, I never, ever wear a dress. No, you will never see me in a dress. But me do either. I look amazing in the clothes that I wear, even though they might be considered somewhat, I don't know, you know, not really these days boyish, but, you know, jeans and T-shirts. But do I make that look super sexy, super womanly? Yes, I do. So it's really important when we are young, you know, young girls and then young women to really connect to and feel what is our expression and how do we want to live that and and not be taken off our path with that to 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 try and become something that we think we need to be. I um I was thinking back given the question Sarah and it it just um it brought forward a memory of like when I was really young um, six or seven, like a lot of parents, my mum used to put my clothes out on the bed of like <laughs> what I should wear for the day. And I always used to feel like super uncomfortable and awkward with what she would put out. And at that stage, she was still sort of insisting that I wear a dress and stockings and things like that. And or tights, you know, because you're a little kid, you know, tights. And I used to hate it. And then I think I got to a point where I actually said to her, okay, well, I want to choose my own thing, what I want to wear. And and she she let me do that, you know. And that started a point of time where she also started to make clothes and she would make clothes that I that I like to wear, you know, and I would tell her what I'd like, you know, the fabrics and the colours and I love colour. Um, but as a 13 or 14 or 15-year-old or tw- even 12-year-old, I really had a very established taste, so to speak, of how I would express myself and how I looked. And looking back on it now, it wasn't as a boy or a girl in the sort of um, stereotypical way that boys and girls expressed in clothes. And the reason I'm saying this is because it was kind of symbolic of how I felt. I didn't necessarily know anything about being androgynous and I didn't feel that I was androgynous, innately so, but what I could feel was that I didn't align with the popular culture and stereotype of what a man looked like or a boy looked like and what a girl looked like. I just wanted to express myself as me. So I went down this path being quite strong in the way that I expressed this is how I want to look. And I remember a lot of times people going, is that a boy or a girl? You know, sometimes you could hear people whisper and you know, if I went into the girls' toilets, sometimes I'd get looks as if, like, what are you doing in here? Or, But I didn't, I didn't get offended by any of that and I didn't get affected by any of that because I was very sort of um, determined, if you will, but it wasn't like a determined um, controlling kind of way of being but more sort of a strength of, like, this is how I want to express myself. And I loved clothes. And as soon as I could, back in the day after pocket money, I got a job as soon as I could. I think I was 14. So that I could buy my own clothes. And I'd go into town and just buy, you know, things that a lot of people were buying in their 20s. I was already experimenting with at 14. And I was, I remember having a haircut that stripes down the side of my head and 
shaved a little bit at the back and my father, the whole year that I had that haircut, did not say a word about my hair, like did not bring any reference to it whatsoever. I think I was about 14 or 15. <clears throat> but the point being is that innately you know who you are and you want to be able to express that. And if you're not sort of taken totally swallowed up by your contemporaries and, the, and trying to fit in with everyone, then you can start to express who you are. If you are taken up by that, then you'll just end up like everyone else, you know, like if it's cut-off denim shorts that you want to wear and you want to fit in with your group and if they all wear cut-off denim <laughs> shorts, then that's what you're going to wear, you know. But can, can I just make a point? Yeah. Something you shared in there is a great point. And I think really important on this topic of, you know, how do we as as young girls going through puberty, um, the, the point you made about, you know, you're exploring your clothing and that sort of thing, it is, it is a very explorative time <coughs> because you are going from being a child and you're transitioning going, okay, mm. well, then you're an adolescent, then you're a teenager, and then you get to that point of like, well, I'm not a proper adult, but I don't feel like a child, so what am I? And so that whole range of let's say it could be 11, 12 years from, say, 9 to 21 or something, it is a very explorative mm. time. The thing is to is to um, be able to do that in a way where, yes, we can explore our clothing, our expression, our hairstyle, different friends, whatever, 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 Music. but do it in a way, and, and this is where we need the support around us, where whatever path we go on, whether we explore being, you know, um, whatever, there's different styles of fashion and things like that, is to not be locked in, not feel like we then have to lock ourselves into that or for others not to impose locking us in on that. So mm -hmm. let's say somebody, you know, wants to become, you know, I don't know, I'm just thinking of the terms back in, you know, when we were growing up, there was goth and punk and things like that. If somebody explores that, that doesn't mean that you're that for the rest of your life. It could be something you're just exploring at this moment, but to not label ourselves with that and also not have people around us label us as if, oh, that's where we are now for the rest of our life. Because it is such a changing time in life with everything that's going on with the body and the hormones and cycle and everything like that. Plus, as I said, becoming child, adolescent, teenager, adult, you do want to sort of go out and go, oh, what's this about? What's this about? What's this about? But it's, I think it's very important that we allow ourselves um, the space and the flexibility that within all of that, what we're actually doing is really honing in on, on accessing and finding and accessing what our true expression is. That's really beautiful. And you just, um, you just mentioned two words, space and flexibility. And I think today um, young people, young women don't have a lot of space and flexibility in terms of social media. Like I think it's, it's unprecedented what we see today, just that, that it's you really have to be aware and conscious of, of actually not engaging in that as much as probably they do or being aware of, you know, how we are on it because the influence of, of um, trends, you know, being, you know, talking about punk and goth and there's so many other trends that are happening all the time and, you know, one person moves into that trend and then, you know, the whole group moves into that trend and and then, like you say, you kind of think you have to lock yourself into it. So it's I think we've there's so many facets to that, you know, in our current times that, that make that really challenging but at the same time, what you're saying is just so, so important, so, so important. So if we were talking about the true expression of a woman, how would, what would we, what is that? What is the true expression of a woman? How do we, how do we know what that is? Well, it's, it's something that we all have to find within ourselves because if you, <clears throat> now I understand that, 
now I understand what a true expression of a woman is. And I really can feel that as an equal expression of a feminine energy within me and a masculine energy within me that happens simultaneously and harmoniously and with great equanimity inside of me. And it's like sometimes I'm calling forth and, and, and expressing in a nurturing way, which is very feminine in the way that I express. And sometimes there's a very caring way that I express, which is more masculine or that I'll have a way of expressing like that. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to be a man and look like a man or, you know, um, to, as Annette said, we, we both never wear dresses, but I don't feel any less a woman. It's something to and I love being a woman. I love the physicality of being a woman because that's the body I'm in, this life. And But deep down inside, I knew that when I was a teenager as well too, that I, that's what I meant when I was saying earlier, I didn't align to the beliefs or ideals of what a man looked like or a woman looked like. I just wanted to express what Gabe is whatever Gabe means out in the world. And so, and in a sense, I was encouraged in that to a degree by my parents to both be very respectful and reverential with my body and not to just like push it or damage it or, you know, um, give it away sexually in such a way to somebody that wasn't going to give me true affection, true care, true loving, um, not to take drugs and alcohol, of course, and all of those sorts of things. So if you, if to me, being a woman, what I learned when I was younger in my family was to be respectful of the fact that I remember my mum saying that women role model a lot in the world. And we need to be very responsible with that. She used to say that to me all the time. You know, uh, you know, if men are going to learn how to be with women, she said, you know, it, it's important that, you know, mothers talk to their sons and allow them to be sensitive and teach them to be respectful of women. So this is the sort of role modelling I got when I was growing up. So I felt that to be a woman was something special in the way that she expressed that and that it was a responsibility. But I, but I now know and being, being who I am now and expressing who I am now, that being a woman feels to me uh, compositional of being um, feminine in vibration but also masculine in vibration equally so and without sort of hang up or interpretation from outside influences of what that actually looks like. It's something that you go inside to actually feel rather than to dress or um, pattern in some way on your body. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's like I love what you were saying about having a relationship with your body. You know, if you have a relationship with your body, that's everything because you know, your body is going to be telling you, that's going to be informing you about how to express. If, if you're connected, obviously, you're connecting to your body, that will be informing you of how to express rather than it being something that is um, told to you. I love, I love what you both shared. And that the, the thing is that, that there's such a preciousness about being a girl and being a woman, mm. but in fact, it's no different for young boys either. Like when we see young boys before they've been, you know, sort of corrupted by pack mentality, you know, where they, the, the sort of boys will be boys mentality, but when they're just innocent and pure and sweet in their, in their youth, the tenderness and preciousness and sensitivity is equal in girls and boys. And so, in fact, that's that's a truth that's available for all of us as as later men and women. Um, but with the in regards to the relationship with our body, and and you obviously would speak about this a lot, Sarah. 
the fact of the presence of our period cycle for girls and as as women is is so valuable and so precious in terms of remind re, having that regular reminder in case we lose sight of it we have that regular reminder of of how delicate we are because if we really honor that period cycle if we really feel our body at that time it asks us to slow down it asks us to to honor the fact of um, how delicate we are and how sensitive we are to everything in life so that's not always the case as in how how girls and women respond to their period but that is in fact what's available but I, I love what, what Gabe was sharing in terms of you know the maleness and femaleness expression and to have a relationship with that to know yourself by that is I believe now living that is where the true confidence comes from and the ability to to be true to yourself mm. and not be influenced by everything else in the world that asks you to be something else. It's it's that it's having that relationship with the maleness, femaleness aspect of us, which is in all of us, is, is really that very um, steadying point where we can where we can really live and walk and claim, well, this is who I am. I remember back in that time too, you know, if I think about and I used to love hanging out with the boys and going and playing out and out in the bush and down to the mangrove swamps and things like that together. So I had equal boys around me as well as girls. But I remember at that time also the the same thing, like you'd know a boy or a girl by their name and that's who they were more importantly than anything else about their physicality or their sexuality or anything like that it's it's more what they what they would express as who they are so for example um you know i had boys around me that actually were quite sensitive if i look back and feel them they were very, very sensitive and they played with me based on their expression of who they were in that sensitivity. But if they got into, if they ganged up and started getting aggro and all of those sorts of things that came out, sometimes when boys play together, then all of those kinds of expressions I hated, you know, that the there was sort of like uh, levels of chauvinism that would just creep in or all the things about masculinity that are out in popular culture that are not okay, the, the, the perversions of that. And equally the same if I was with girls and they ended up in a pack energy and became bitchy or something like that. It's Or, you know, the, the girls at that time and I, I still feel that this goes on today, they can group together and they sort of create a look of like what the girl, like what the it girl should look like. And then that sort of is exclusive and leaves everyone else not included in that, you know. Those parts of feminine and masculine identi identification out in the world, those beliefs when they come in and crowd in on us and we behave like that as human beings, that is obnoxious and it really compresses us. So when I felt that as a young person, but also now, even as an adult, I hate, I hate that expression. But that has nothing to do with the true expression of the, the being you know, the person, you know, if it's Annette or me or um, some of the beautiful men that we have friendships with, you know, or the boys that I grew up with that I knew innately in their sense in when they would sensitively express and play with me, they're gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And they had none of that going on. But sometimes it would take over. You can understand why there may be, you know, conf confusion, you know, in this time 
during this adolescence and teenage years because of what we're presented, you know, what you were just describing in terms of, you know, what, what, you know, we're expected to be as a man or what we're expected to be as a woman. There's so many different and strong, very strong ideals about what that should look like. And, you know, it's understandable that there may be some rejection of of those, you know, particular ideals, understandably so. Um, yeah, but, but what you're saying and what you're presenting is so beautiful because you're coming back to the essence of a person and what it is that they express and how it is that they are in the world and it and for us to have a relationship with that and to to have role models in our lives where we can see that that is actually possible which is something that both of you just you know do so beautifully mm. i think Thank with you. i think with just how you've summed that up and what we've been talking about it really is about you know when you say okay what's the what's the true expression of a woman and we could equally say what's the true expression of a man for all of us it's a, it is about connecting to who we are and feeling the inner beauty of that and back to what Gabe was saying right at the beginning about feeling that those qualities of of true care true nurturing you know just loving people caring for people so knowing that inner beauty in ourselves and then of course if you know that then you you take care of the the outer as well you take care of the body you take care of the being you take care of yourself as a whole and then whatever the your particular presentation then is of of you out in the world will be that true woman will be that true man and the particular angles that you reflect then is exactly what's needed for the world. Mm. So, there, so there's no prescriptive this is what it is to be a woman or this is what it is to be a man. But if we honour our sensitivity, our vulnerability, our tenderness, our preciousness, then whatever the, whatever the sum of, that, of all of those together, whatever the expression is, will be the true woman that you are or the true woman, true man that you are. Mm. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I feel like that is a beautiful way to uh, finish up and complete. Is there anything? Is there anything else you wanted to add that may be supportive for any parents listening to this, any teenagers that might be listening to this? Any last words of wisdom that you would like to impart? Um, I think I would just say go back to the point of saying, you know, when we're when we're young, younger, um, just how important it is to have people in your life who you feel that you do not have to hide anything from, that you can completely open up and be yourself with, but also reveal yourself to in in a very um, transparent way, so that because yes, it can be a confusing time. So if there are people around you in your life, might be an auntie, might be a teacher, might be whoever it is, might be one of your parents, might be a grandparent, as a, as a young person, consider to really access those relationships and, and nurture them and seek the support so that as you go through this period of time in life, you have you have an anchor point that you can come back to so that you're not sort of, you know, out at sea just getting thrown this way, that way and every other way, that you've got these steady markers or points in your life that of people who you have observed, who you've witnessed, stay steady in their truth mm -hmm. and that so that you can you can align yourself to that and have that support when you when you need it. I would say to any young person who was at that period of time or traversing that period of time to trust their inner knowing and to, to establish a really good relationship of going inside and feeling those things for themselves and, and becoming strong in that, not shutting that voice down, that inner voice down, because it's super important and that that's your truth, that's your wisdom, 
that's your intuitive understanding about how you need to be taken care of or how you need to express out in the world. And I don't think that we're encouraged enough to do that, to take time to self-reflect. I mean, in this age, digital age, it's so distractive. And I don't think people of any age get enough space to actually be with self-reflection and have that space to go inward in their body and just be still and just feel what do I actually feel today or how, what is actually going on for me or how would I express what I feel? Because sometimes I love what Annette's saying about connecting with people who are role models and elders and mentors and things like that for us, and that's super important. But sometimes you can be going through a particular cycle in your life where you do not have anyone mm. that you can actually speak to and if you haven't learned how to go inward and connect with this inner voice with yourself, which can very much stabilize you and steady you and settle you in your life, then you're at sea. Then you're at the mercy of needing to go out and resource from the outside influences. And that's where the pain happens. But if you know yourself and you need at least know what you want and and how to express how you really feel about things, that's massive foundational quality for being in a relationship with anyone. So later in life, when you want to establish deeper intimacy with relationships with people, you've already founded it. You already know how to, to, to do that and to express that. If you don't have that, the quality of your communication in relationships is going to be very superficial, very one-dimensional. But if you have that, there's so much more that you can evoke and collaborate and be mutual and inclusive in a relationship with. That was amazing. Thank you both. And um, what I wanted to just add was that to for, for young people to know that this that time that they're moving through is can be confusing and awkward and that's okay you know it's okay for it to be that way you know there's lots of changes that are happening there's lots going on in their body their hormones are affecting their brain you know our hormones are intimately connected with our brain they actually come from our brain and our reproductive organs and you know, there's there's so much happening and it's completely okay and, in fact, normal to mm-hmm. feel a little bit of awkwardness or confusion in the adjustment period as you move through that. So uh, not to latch on to anything that might give them some kind of security or sense of security and, and think that, you know, that's, I guess it's like, you know, being out at sea, like you were saying, both of you, and thinking that, you know, you have to latch on to something to survive. Um, it's actually okay, you know, the, the the shore is just not that far away and you you do actually have um, a marker, you know, in your, in your body. It's always there. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Fantastic. Beautiful, Sarah. So I think that that is a wrap. And I just wanted to, before we actually finish, where can people find you? So if they wanted to know more about you, do you have a website? People can can look you up. Yep, yep. We have a website. Um, It's pretty simple. It's called (laughs) (laughs) AnnetteAndGabe.com. Love it. (laughs) And um, people can see on there what we do, what we're about, and um, there's a contact form there if they they felt to use that. But there's a lot of, more importantly, the website is a great resource. We've got a lot of interviews on there. We've got a lot of articles. We've got videos. We've got audios. That was primarily our reason for having a website, which we only put out last year, um, is to provide it as a resource with a a lot of... um, you know, support to access 
at no cost. That's so amazing to have available to people who can't necessarily see you one-on-one or two-on-one, two-on-two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> so cool. Thank you both so very, very much. You're just amazingly inspiring women that don't, um, I guess, don't, confine yourselves to to any particular stereotype out there which is what I just love about you both so much it's just such a joy to have your expression in the world as as two beautiful women thank Thank you Sarah thanks Sarah it's been been amazing being with you this morning and and it's incredible work that you do with um with your podcast amazing thank you both Awesome. awesome to talk to you You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.